0: You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So, this morning, this first Sunday uh, in the new year, um, we're going to kick off a new message series on uh, the letter that Paul wrote uh, to the churches in the Galatian region. Uh, It's called No Other Gospel. And if you're familiar with Paul's letters, of course, Paul wrote most of uh, the the end of the New Testament, you probably have had some exposure to his various letters. And and you're going to notice as we go through Galatians that this is a a little different right from the outset. We're going to look at the introduction today, the first 10 verses of Paul's letter. And you're going to notice something different about the tone of this letter. Uh, There is a sense of urgency in Paul's letter. There really, even if you compare it with the other letters, like Ephesians and some of the others, there's also a sense of maybe irritation or agitation and frustration. And it wasn't just because Paul was having a bad day, okay? Uh, It wasn't because of that. Uh, Some backstory, Paul had planted the churches in the Galatian region from the Pisidian Antioch in the west all the way to Derby in the east. And after he had planted those churches and moved on to Ephesus, where he was planting even more churches, he learned that a group of Jewish legalists in the Galatian churches were, were teaching that certain Old Testament laws were still binding for Gentile Christians, These people were called Judaizers and they reasoned that God's promises only extended to Jews so the Gentiles in the Galatian churches must follow Jewish laws regarding everything from circumcision to diet to rituals of worship to fully experience salvation. Uh, The Judaizers did not deny that faith in Jesus was necessary but they insisted that faith in Jesus alone was inadequate. They taught that one must add to faith observance of the Jewish law before a person could be fully saved. And of course, this kind of teaching that Paul got wind of uh, is completely in direct contradiction to Paul's insistence that salvation was by grace through faith in Jesus Christ in him alone. In fact, Paul is writing to remind them that the true gospel, the real true good news, is that Jesus Christ plus nothing else equals the gospel. That's sort of a, a simple formula for that. Um, last fall, I began thinking and praying about what we would s- spend our, our time on in this new year in 2024, considering all the things that are going on in my own life, in the life of our community, our world, uh, our country. And you know, just as false teaching tried to infiltrate the Galatian church many, many years ago, similar messages, similar influences are seeking to uh, affect the church today. I would say particularly here in the U.S., especially in this election year. Ideas like salvation is not by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Uh, they're not necessarily saying that we should, you know, uh, convert to Judaism. That's not what they're saying. But there are all kinds of cultural beliefs, or societal stances, and in some cases, political allegiances. Let's just be real. Uh, If you're mindful of the news, if you're looking at social media and and some of the voices that are coming from so-called Christian leaders in our country, it's a bit alarming. Um, I think it is a good time for us to be reminded or maybe to hear for the very first time that we are saved by faith and by faith in Jesus Christ alone, that we are brought into God's family through God's grace Through faith in his son Jesus, and by means of nothing else. And that's the heart and the soul of this series, no other gospel. Uh, a look at the, uh, the the letter to the Galatian church. Um, in your e-newsletter, if you haven't signed up for that, those come from Vineyard Church every Friday. If you haven't signed up for that already, I would encourage you to do so. If you have, you may have noted that we uh, sent a link to a wonderful video that provides a beautiful overview. Of Galatians, of the book of Galatians. Uh, It's only like nine minutes, but it's done by Bible Project and it's really wonderfully illustrated. It's very clear, very concise. I would encourage you to take a look at it. It's also in your sermon notes today as well. But let me give you just a very quick overview here. Galatians chapter one and two, Paul defends his apostolic calling in order to establish the divine origin of the gospel. Because part of the Judaizers' argument is that Paul is not really an apostle, that he's sort of a, a second tier leader in the church, that he's not the, the real deal. And so Paul addresses that in Galatians 1 and 2. And then in Galatians 3 and 4, Paul presents arguments to prove the inferiority of the Jewish law compared to the gospel and to establish that the law's true purpose is to show us our sin, but it really doesn't deal with The heart issues of our sin. In Galatians 5 and 6, Paul goes on to exhort the Galatians to pop- properly use their newfound freedom in Jesus Christ. That it's not license to do whatever the heck you want to do, but it is a freedom to live in the rule and reign of God and his kingdom to experience his his joy, his peace, him setting things right in our own lives and in the world around us that sin has broken and destroyed. So that's just a a quick general overview of of this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian church. Today we're going to kick off with Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul begins, Paul, an apostle sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, No, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this new year. Thank you for every good purpose that you have for each one of us, each of our families, each of our households, for Vineyard Church of Augusta, we thank you for your good plans and your good purposes for us in 2024. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your perfect and holy will be done in us and with us and through us. We welcome your rule and reign into every part of our lives. And Holy Spirit, in this moment, we ask that you would come and just clarify for us uh, if there's any confusion, if we need just to be deeply reminded of your grace, your grace that brings peace, your grace that brings rescue to us through Jesus Christ our Lord in him and him alone. We pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, we're going to focus on that grace, peace, and rescue that's found only Through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a a message that the Galatians needed to hear many, many years ago. It's a message that we continue to need to hear today. Now, in the introduction uh, to his letter, Paul does not begin as he does in many of his other letters, giving thanks for them, uh, commending their faithfulness and their good works, uh, their good witness for the kingdom. He doesn't do that. With urgency, with laser sharp focus, he dives in and directly goes to the heart of the matter. And it's this, it's about the gospel. It's the clarification of what the gospel is and what it isn't. The gospel is the announcement that Jesus, the crucified Messiah, is exalted as Lord and Savior of the whole world, not just the Jewish world. Now, part of the Judaizers' argument was that Paul wasn't a legitimate apostle because he was not one of Jesus's original disciples, and he had not ministered with Jesus when Jesus was here on earth. But Paul begins, uh, and he he, he knows that's part of their argument, so he jumps right into it, and he begins with uh, a reminder to the Galatians of how he received his apostolic authority. And he identifies himself this way. Paul, I'm Paul. This is from Paul. I am an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Christ from the dead. That's who I am sent by. And Yes, Paul was not a follower of Jesus when Jesus was here on the earth. He was not one of the 12 disciples, but Paul truly had his own commissioning from Jesus himself on his way to Damascus, where Paul, who was then called Saul, was headed to persecute the church. Uh, And he, as very much a Jewish legalist, he was very much about persecuting Christians uh, as a Jewish legalist himself. If you want to go back and read some backstory on that, you can find that account in Acts chapter 9, and I would encourage you to do so if you're not familiar with uh, Paul's encounter with Jesus. It was a true encounter. And Paul understood that the Jewish legalists, uh, he understood their mindset because he had been there himself. He had operated in the same mindset. Uh, The Judaizers taught that Jewish believers and Gentile believers could not live as though they were part of the same family. There was very much a segregation, a separatist kind of mindset. The Jewish legalists believed that if Gentile believers want to be part of God's true family, that they would have to become Jewish, and they would have to keep all the Jewish laws. And for them, this was the true gospel. But in Galatians, Paul is adamantly opposing this teaching to remind them and to remind us that in jesus the risen lord he is calling all of us into a single worldwide family who follow him and are part of god's family and paul's letter addresses who belongs and who doesn't and what is the basis of that sense of belonging to god's family uh, john wimber john wimber was the late founder uh, he was the leader of the vineyard movement Uh, And he used to address this whole issue uh, with some social theory terms, particularly uh, bounded set versus centered set. And many churches could be described as as bounded sets, Uh, sort of like an in or an out, where belonging to the church community is defined by where one is into relationship with, with a particular clear boundary, typically based on highly defined beliefs and behaviors. I think we've got a graphic for that. Um, Do we have a graphic for that, the bounded set and centered set? There we go. So the the bounded set sort of has this, this, you're in or you're out, based on specific beliefs and behaviors. Those who adopt the beliefs and behaviors are considered inside, they belong. Those who don't adopt to those are considered outside. Now, John Wimber wanted vineyard churches to be a centered set model, a centered set in their approach where Jesus is always at the center. And those who are in are not necessarily defined in relation to a particular boundary but by facing and moving toward the center, toward Jesus. And that's the goal, that we are all moving closer to him. I've been a follower of Jesus since I was nine years old, and there is more of Jesus for me to experience in my life. Just as the person who may show up here for uh, Ever Wonder, uh, and they're just curious. They don't really have a belief in Jesus. Maybe they've never been in a church for their whole lives. But there is a spiritual hunger going on. And so maybe they are far, far away from Jesus. But they're they're faced toward him. They're posturing themselves toward him. And and that's what we as a church, we want to facilitate that. Because we're all at different places, but we all want our, our posture and our perspective to be toward Jesus. Whether you have been a follower of Jesus for 75 years or maybe he just came on your radar as a result of an act of kindness that you got from a, a neighbor that just seems to be a little different, that seems to for some reason be filled with joy when everybody else is just always in a, a pissy mood, right? You know? Yeah. So it's it's about that. It's about being a church where wherever you are, we want to point you to Jesus. We want you growing closer to Jesus, coming to a place. Where you confess him as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. You ask him to forgive you of your sins. You place your trust in him as the Savior of the world, the Son of God who came, who, who took on our sins, even though he was sinless, died on a cross for my sins and your sins, was resurrected so that we could have life. In Christ, and that's that's really what we are talking about in terms of trying to uh, to be a centered set model. We're pointing people to Jesus. We're not pointing people to cultural norms. We're not pointing people to well, you need to believe about this issue, political issue, and not believe this way. We trust the Holy Spirit to work that out as part of His transforming work in each of our hearts. We, we too often get all discombobulated on, well, if you don't believe this, that, and the other, then you can't be a follower of Jesus. And it's like, I don't see in Scripture where it says belonging to a political party automatically makes you a, a, a child of God. And so, folks... We have an opportunity this year. I want you to be politically engaged. It is a, it's a gift that we have been given. We need to be good stewards of it. But let us use it not to, it's not, gonna, it's not going to uh, advance the kingdom of God, okay? That doesn't, the political systems of this world do not advance the kingdom of God. We've got all of church history to tell us that. A church fully alive, a church filled with the Holy Spirit, a church doing the ministry of Jesus, that's what advances the kingdom of God as he empowers us to do that. Let us do that. Let us be about that, okay? We are all saved by grace. We live by grace. Galatians is a reminder of that grace, that it is God's love, it is his favor that none of us deserve. None of us deserve it. But yet he has made it available to us through Jesus Christ, his son. And so this morning, we're going to really focus on verses three through five, because this is the basis for really the the thesis statement, if you will. Since I am married to a former English teacher, I will throw that out there. Uh, This is the thesis statement that he gives for really the entire rest of the book. And that's where we're going to sort of land the plane today. Galatians 1, 3 through 5, I, I repeat this, what we've read earlier, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. So this is all about God's grace. God's grace God's grace, it reaches out to every person. It reaches out to everyone that you're gonna to see today, every person that you might see on television, those that, that, that you are attracted to, and those that you are just completely, just, just vilified by, okay? Every one of those people, God's grace is a gift for them. He reaches out and he's called us now to be instruments of sharing that grace, sharing that kindness. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And what does that produce? It produces peace, grace, grace when given, uh, when given exposure, when, when, when we live in grace, when we, uh, we are saved by grace, we live by grace, we pray by grace, we serve by grace, we interact by grace, and when we are instruments of God's grace, it produces peace in our own lives, and it provides an opportunity for God's kingdom to come and to move in the lives of others, producing peace. God wants our lives, our world, to be filled with peace. Peace is not a word that any of us would use to describe our world right now, right? So what if we what if we said, yes, God... I want to be an instrument of your peace. And and so I need to be living in your grace. I need to be extending your grace. And as we do that, we will see God's kingdom come and the expression of his peace coming more and more into our own lives, into our church, into our community, into the world around us. And, And Jesus goes on. Jesus gave himself for this very purpose. He gave himself for our sins so that we could be made right with the Father. Jesus' crucifixion, it's the ultimate act of self-giving love, of self-giving love. I um, had the privilege just uh, on the 31st, on the, the last day of, of the year, to, uh, to marry, uh, to officiate Joe and Maria McGee's wedding. Congratulations, newlyweds. Joe's our drummer. Marius moved here from the Netherlands, and it was uh, wonderful. They have a 123, 123 anniversary, which is really cool, right? I tried to get them to start the wedding at 123, but they didn't. Anyway, um, but they asked specifically, Reece, we want you to read the entirety of 1 Corinthians 13, because that just lays out so uh, what a contrast that is the, the love chapter on the kind of love that is true, that is real, that is authentic, and so much of it deals with the selfless love of Christ, and that's what we're talking about. Jesus, the Son of God, laying down his life to come to earth and put on flesh, first as an infant, we just celebrated that wonderful season, and then he grew to become a man. Uh, He lived a sinless life, And because of love, Jesus bore my sins and your sins on the cross so that we could all, all of us, all of us could be rescued from this present evil age. Jesus defeated the dark powers of this evil age so that all who are oppressed by them can be rescued. That's, that's what he's talking about here. Uh, the, the rescue that comes because of Jesus' life, because of Jesus' death, because of his resurrection. It's not about, oh, you followed this dietary law. Oh, you were circumcised. Oh, you worshiped this particular way. No, it was because of Jesus, him born, he lived He died, he was resurrected, and he ascended to be with the Father, and that is the basis of of, of our salvation. Uh, Scripture divides history into two ages. Paul refers to this present evil age, and it's that, the the present age and the age to come. The present age, we might refer to it as the the kingdom of darkness. It was a time of sorrow, sadness, death. Um, Looking back to Israel's beginning, uh, Israel, uh, had God had promised Israel to set things right in the end, that the Messiah would come, and through their line, he would come through the line of, uh, of Israel, and through them, a Savior, a Messiah would be born who would bring salvation to the entire world. The age to come would eventually arrive through this Messiah, the new period in which death would be no more, sorrow and sadness would be completely wiped away, And justice and beauty would spring to life forever, for all eternity. And Paul had clearly uh, seen that God's raising Jesus from the dead was the launching point of that age to come, with the result that the present evil age and the age to come were now continuing uh, sort of some of that's going on at the same time. The, the, the present evil age is continuing to happen. That's why uh, we, we, we saw sin. We saw all kinds of confusion through the Judaizers and uh, disobedience and disunity and all of those kinds of things happening. But yet we see God's kingdom coming, uh, invading and, and coming into the midst of the Gentile community with the good news that Jesus Christ came not only to save the Jews, but also to save the Gentiles as well. And so here in the vineyard, we often refer to this tension as the already and the not yet. The kingdom of God has come in Jesus Christ. He's come in Jesus. Uh, And yet uh, we know that not all things are yet set right. There are times when we pray for the sick and the sick do not recover. We see injustice around us. We see, as as Robin mentioned, opportunities to be a part of what God's doing uh, to change things for people and and to set things right in terms of areas of justice. And and we we love being a part of that. It's God's good work that He invites us into. But we see that the the kingdom of God has come, but it will not come in its fullness until Jesus Christ returns. Uh, And we wait and we live in that tension. That tension where some are healed and some are not, but we continue to pray, Lord, bring your kingdom. We don't get to decide that. God decides that. Ultimately, all who are in Christ will be healed healed, and they will be whole. They will know peace. They will know joy. Things will be set right for them in eternity. But we also know that God wants this new age. And don't get all strung out with these are Paul's words. This is not my words, okay? Uh, this, we're talking about uh, an age where the kingdom of God is invaded. The kingdom of God who sets things right, who brings peace, who brings joy, uh, who brings rescue. This is what Paul's talking about. Just as the Israelites were rescued from Egyptian captivity, it's the same thing for all people that, that sin no longer has the power to, to enslave us or oppress us that we now can choose to walk in the freedom Uh, that Jesus' resurrection brings to each one of us. His resurrection was the launching event for this new world, this new kingdom that God now invites all of us, Jew, Gentile, all races, all nationalities to be part of so we, we can live each day in God's grace, with God's peace, knowing that we have been rescued. And we're also now called to be people who extend that same rescue to others. This is the work that God and only God can do. But guess what? He wants to use you and me in all kinds of ways. Most often, it's just really simple things. But from time to time, God may use us in some pretty extraordinary ways. It's about being open to whatever God wants us to do. Because at the end, just as Paul ends these first 10 verses, it's all about simply being a servant. And in the kingdom of God, the pay is the same. It doesn't matter what the the responsibility or maybe the, the, the command that God has given you. On a given day, it's just about showing up, God, I'm here. I'm ready to serve. Tell me what you want me to do. What does obedience look like today, Lord, in living in that kind of posture? We have been rescued because Father God loves us and, it, and, and he's for us. This was his will for us. And Jesus carried out the will of our good and loving heavenly Father. Again, this is the basis of the grace that we have been given. This is the grace that God has called us to, to receive for ourselves and to extend to the world around us, our, our rescue from the kingdom of darkness from this present evil age. Uh, and then Paul goes on to say, and this is all, all of it is for the glory of God, to whom be glory forever and ever. And that's the gospel's ultimate aim. And so if we see any gospel, that has any other agenda than to bring glory and honor to God, we need to question it. We need to ask, okay, what's going on here? Because this seems to be about a person or a particular exclusive group of people when the gospel, the true gospel, is all about the glory of God, the honor, the praise of God and Him alone. And the gospel's ultimate aim is that glory and praise of God It says, members of God's family, we've been rescued. We have been rescued from this present evil age, and our job now is to to be people who live in the freedom that he provides, to choose to live lives that bring him honor and glory. What Romans 12 talks about is being living sacrifices. We talked about that a little bit last week with, with Anna in the temple. Living sacrifices, and as living sacrifices... We, as Jesus followers, we live in a different world. We choose to live under a different perspective. We live in a different, different world ruled by a loving, just, and righteous king. We choose to live that way, to live accordingly, to I am no longer the ruler of my life. The standards of this present evil age, the kingdom of darkness, no longer dictates the way I choose to, to live my life or lead my life or the life of my family. But I choose to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God and to him alone. And guys, we are all invited into this pursuit Every one of us, we're all invited to announce the launch of this new world, to live in its power and its possibility. Uh, As I was going through this this passage this week, one of the things that kept coming to me was that Paul stressed the fact that he, he was sent. He was sent. He knew he was sent by. He knew it was not his own doing. He knew he was sent by Jesus. He knew he was sent by the Father. He knew that. And I want to challenge you to live 2024 knowing that you are sent. You are sent by God. You are sent with His good purposes. God is not... He doesn't want any of us to live this year aimlessly, just sort of floundering around. God has purpose. And I believe one of the things that the Lord wants to do, maybe this morning, maybe it's in the weeks to come as we go through the series he wants to clarify for you what are his good purposes for you so that you can more readily, more, in a more determined way, live sent. Live sent. You can show up every day. It's like, okay, I know what the world is saying. I know that you know the accusations that may, that may come, but I know who I am in Christ. I know what he has called me to be and to do. I know the authority that he has given me as his son or as his daughter, and we can, we can choose to live in that way. And there is so much freedom and there's so much joy that comes with that. And again, it's all about the grace of God, grace that brings peace, grace that brings rescue to our own hearts and lives and to the world around us as well. And God is calling every one of us Those joining us online, all of us here at 3126 Parish Road, God is calling all of us to be engaged in that, to receive his grace, to be instruments of his grace, to receive his peace, to be instruments of his peace, to receive his rescue, and then to be people who are throwing out life ramps all the time, just uh, floats to help people to rescue them. God wants to use all of us in that. I believe that with my whole heart. And I, I encourage you this morning to ask, what does it mean for me to live 2024 sent by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, living in the love that God has for us?